Thank you, Father. I'm glad, aren't you? Amen. Our day of our day of redemption is certainly moving closer and closer. Amen. We're not the only ones either. The earth itself is groaning. All of nature is groaning and crying, waiting for that day of sweet release. And I know one, one thing that's more important to me than anything else in the world, and that is to be ready Amen. to be able to live every day of our life as if though it could be the last. We'll plan as if though we're going to be here for a long, long time. If you haven't listened to Taking Sides of Jesus in a while, it might do you good. Brother Branham sets forth of the apostolic age and how that the church had begun to settle down some and they started making churches and doing all the different things that they would do. And he actually gives the pattern of how the apostolic church would start and then out of that would come others and others and brings the same type to Brother to Brother Neville, actually, there at the tabernacle. And he said, now, you know, we got this church over here and this one over there. He said, y'all come together. And he said, let Brother Neville, Brother Neville will be the elder among you. And you'll have discussions and talks and so on. But he also emphasizes about the early church and how that if he would have told them, the Lord would have said, y'all got 2,000 more years before I'm going to come. He said, they would have settled down they wouldn't have done anything. But they kept moving, kept growing, kept going on with God. It takes a great balance. It's much easier to clean out ditches. Now, when I was in Pentecost, I started out, I was in the Trinitarian ditch. Whenever I started seeing the oneness of the Godhead, I left that ditch and got over into the Jesus-only ditch. I got tired of cleaning ditches. You know what I'm talking about? And if you look at yourself, many of you would have to admit the same. Don't nod your head because you'll embarrass yourself if you do. But many of you are just like me. You've spent so much of your time cleaning out ditches. Why don't we get tired of these ditches and let's just get out and find what the Lord wants us to do and journey on. You know what? We got taters. Let's plant them. We got maters. Let's plant them. Well, what if the Lord comes? Well, the prophet has already told us we'll be right there at our post of duty doing everything we're supposed to do. It'll be perfectly fine with me if we never have the first service in that new place. If the rapture is this evening, you'll hear somebody screaming to the top of their lungs. No, Brother John, it ain't going to be you. It's going to be me. We make plans as if though there is a tomorrow, as if though there's decades yet to come. Oh, thank God for his mercy to help us to see that. Let's turn to Ruth, if you would, today. Ruth chapter 3, verse 12. Ruth is fixing to hear something that she did not want to hear. Now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. Howbeit, there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman's part, but if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then I will do the part of a kinsman to thee as the Lord liveth. Lie down until the morning. And she lay at his feet until the morning. Now we know the prophet told us that this was like 
finding Calvary and you marking Calvary. So it's very important that a person, when they find Calvary, and that work of what God has done in their heart, that they lie there and they wait until the time of reconciliation has so struck their heart. And then they pick up from that place, never forgetting that work, never laying it aside, but they go on with the work of God. You see, many people, they always stay at the cross. They never get any farther than the cross. The cross is the beginning of your spiritual journey. Now notice what she does. She lay at his feet until the morning. And she rose up before one could know another. So it's still dusky. And he said, let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. Now in reading this, I realized that even though we're thousands of years after this happened, people ain't really changed that much. What's he concerned about? His reputation and hers. Gossipers don't want facts. Matter of fact, they don't really like facts. Also, he said, bring the veil that thou hast upon thee and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. And she went into the city. I mean, let it be remembered today as we go before the Lord in prayer. God bless you. Me too. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. Father, just listening to the songs that were being sung and hearing the people worship. Lord God, I cannot imagine what it's going to be when we gather that day around your great throne. We all in young, glorified bodies begin to praise and worship, never have to leave your presence again. But Lord, until that time arrives, we desire to be faithful. We want to be found at our post of duty, doing everything that we're supposed to do. I pray that you'd help each of us today, Father, to realize that your work, your program, your purpose for our life is the greatest thing that we could ever find. And all hell will be against us when we find it. And Satan will do his best to pull us this way, that way, and another way off of your plan for our lives. But Father, help us that we'll always stay true and faithful. Help me that I can get out of the way today to be able to speak your words. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And the saints said? Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. God is the goel of his people. There's many things about Satan that he wanted to be like God. But there's so much about God he cannot be like. He has no love. He has no life. He has no heaven. He has no redemption. When angels fall, there is no redemption for angels. Yet God became the first Goel in the Old Testament. The Goel is the one who stands between the faulty and the just and makes a way for the fallen to be redeemed 
back into right standing with God, which is what righteousness means, right standing with God. God was the first one to begin to express this in the Garden of Eden. When man had forfeited his rights, your rights, all of our rights, to eternal life, and God began his work of redemption. He showed it all down through the Old Testament. Then, of course, when he comes in the New Testament, it's the same work, but it goes even deeper than what it did in the Old Testament. Adam, once he had fallen, there was no way for him to get back across the chasm. He didn't have enough means. He didn't even know how. He didn't know what to do. Satan had talked Eve into leaving, but once she left, she didn't know the way back. When Adam listened to his wife, he did not know the way back either. So there was only one way for them to be brought back, and that was for God himself to be the redeemer. Now, the word redeem and redeemed and redeemer it has a couple of different root words that it comes from in the Old and especially in the New Testament, and they point in the same direction, but yet they can mean a little bit something different. Listen at Job in chapter 19, verse 25. For I know that my Redeemer liveth. And the word here is the word I've been using here, goel, to redeem, act as a kinsman redeemer. Avenge and revenge. Ransom, do the part of a kinsman. So God was Job's goel, even more so than what Job realized. Now Job had been going through this terrible, terrible time, and he believed somehow that God was going to ransom him. Now to be redeemed and to be ransomed isn't exactly the same thing. To be ransomed is when someone holds you or something of yours by their power. Not necessarily that they have the right to do so, but they hold it by a power that they have over you. And then someone is willing, the person holding you or your property says, I will let you have him or her, or have their property or their possession for a certain amount. And then that amount is agreed to, and the person that has the means says, all right, I will pay the price. Here is the ransom price, release them. Now, that's the price of a ransom. But the Redeemer in the Old Testament, the Goel, was actually even a broader term than just ransom. So it was for not only people that were lost, but when the tribes of Israel received their land and they were divided by portion, and God told them, the land is mine. It's not yours. It belongs to me. So I want Naphtali, I want Gad, I want Reuben, I want Issachar, on down through the tribes. I want this to be your boundary forever. I don't want you all trading property. I don't want Gad moving over in the land of Issachar. I don't want Issachar moving over into the land of Naphtali. 
but I want you to this to be your inheritance forever. But I know some of you are not gonna be able to manage this property. I know that you will incur debt and you'll get in a really difficult spot. So I'll make a way that a kinsman will be able to redeem this property, but I don't want somebody from Issachar trying to buy property in the land of Gad because I'm the one who dictates where you live. It's too sad that Christians don't believe the same thing today. You see, our lives are not our own. That's right, we belong to the Lord Jesus because we are bought with a price. So God made a way then that the property could be redeemed, but it must be one of the tribe of Naphtali. Maybe a rich man from Gad said, I'd love to have that pasture field. Maybe someone that would look, and they was, they was down in the southern part of Israel, and say they were close to the Jordan Valley. And if you've ever been there, you know that it's, it's pretty dry there. And, but yet they saw some land up near the Galilee. Now the Galilee is one of the most beautiful, fruitful places that there is in all the land of Israel. So they've got rolling hills like this, some pretty steep ones, and the Golan Heights, how many of you has ever heard the term Golan Heights? Well, the Golan Heights is the property line that joins the northern part of Israel with the land of Syria. The Golan Heights, when you're up on top of it like this, you can look right down this way, and there is the, the land of Galilee. So this is why the Golan Heights is such an important possession for the land of Israel, because Israel's enemies for years have tried to take that land. And they would entrench themselves, and they would fire cannons, they would fire all types of things. So you're a farmer down in the land of Galilee, and they pick you out today, they're gonna kill you. So they land a bomb right down on your house, or they send their snipers there. So several years ago, Israel got sick of it, and they said, according to the promise of God, this is our land, and we're taking it back. Now the majority of the world still says that it belongs to the other side. But Israel refuses to believe what the majority of the world says. It's the same way with you and I when it comes to our health, our children, our loved ones. We're gonna either believe what the devil says you can have or you're gonna believe what God says you can have. Now, the devil may use sincere people, even doctors sometimes, to tell you, well, there's no way you'll ever really be well of this situation, but we're gonna give you this medication and we'll try to just manage it for you. And we will keep you comfortable. I don't wanna be comfortable, I wanna be well. Praise the Lord. You can settle for less if you want to. But Brother Donnie, you're a 66-year-old man. I'm still years younger than Abraham was when the Lord God changed his body. So if the Lord could do it to Abraham, surely the goodest thing do it to me was 66 years old. Well, what about you? You're gonna believe somebody's report of what your land is. And the devil will sometimes use even good people to talk you out of your inheritance. 
and they will with all good means, oh brother, you know, you're going a little bit of fanatical. Well, you're going to be a fanatic for somebody. Some people are, are, are Bristol Motor Real Speedway fans. Boy, I'm telling you what, when this week a race up there, something I thought I'd seen a sign. No doubt they have screamed and hollered and they've spent all kinds of money to go up there and no doubt some of them left happy and some of them left glad and some of them left so sad because their favorite race car driver didn't win and they had his number on their hat, his number on their jacket. They've got his sock color on. Man, they know everything about him. What are they? They are his fanatics. Well, don't you laugh at me because I shout a little bit in the presence of the Lord. If I'm gonna be a fanatic, I wanna be one for the Lord Jesus. That's right. As a matter of fact, Paul identified some believers in the New Testament and he said they have addicted themselves. Now that's the kind of addicts I like hanging around. They have addicted themselves to the cause of God and prayer for the saints. Now whenever God then wanted to redeem his people, notice in Job says, I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. So Job is prophetic prophetically looking to the time when the Redeemer would become incarnate. Now, how did Job understand this? When there'd been no prophecy up to this time that God would actually become a human on the earth. Psalm 19, 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, I pray this Psalm all the time, I love it, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Isaiah 41, 14, fear not, thou worm Jacob, and and ye men of Israel, I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Now, I don't know about you, this is encouraging to me, not only to the Old Testament, but Psalm Isaiah 44, 6, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Now God said in the Old Testament, he was the first and the last. Jesus said in the New Testament, he was the first and the last. Either there's two gods or the same person said it twice in the Old Testament and in the New. There can't be two firsts and two lasts. There's got to be one first and one last. And God said, there is no but no God beside me. And the church said, Isaiah 44, 24, thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens, alone that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. That's my daddy. Isaiah 49, 26, I will feed them that oppress thee with their own flesh. You need to quote this to the devil with their own flesh, and they shall be drunken with their own blood, as with sweet wine, and all flesh shall know that I am the Lord and am thy Savior. Once you notice, the world won't know that they are his Savior, but they will know he is yours. Notice how God says this. God will make them which call themselves believers bow down before you one day and acknowledge that you are the true elect of God. 
Oh, Lord, what a place to be in. My. Notice he says, I will. They, all flesh shall know that I am the Lord and am thy Savior and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Isaiah 54, 5. For thy maker is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth shall he be called. Chapter 59, verse 20. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. Now, you believe with me then that God truly identified himself? That's only a small portion of where God identified himself as Israel's Redeemer. Once you notice that the most of these that I read to you, it was not Israel saying this about God. It was God saying this about Israel. Now, your confession and my confession, we know the prophet said that Jesus can only do for us in heaven what we confess on earth that he is doing. Now, this is very important for us as believers to take what God said in spite of even sometimes what we know about ourselves. One of the greatest challenges we're going to have is to be able to look at our failures and our mistakes and sometimes our track record and believe that there's hope for us in spite of ourselves and believe what God said instead of believing our continuity of failures. And we all have them, is that right? Notice then, whenever the Lord God becomes a man in the New Testament, now the redeemership is transferred from the invisible Adonai of the Old Testament to the visible Lord Jesus on the earth. And with that, he takes on a new name. And that new name, of course, is Yahshua, or Jesus as we know it. It is the human name of redemption. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now this is what I was telling you that there's a couple, three different words that are used in the New Testament for the word redeem. And it means to redeem by payment of a price to recover from the power of another. To ransom or buy off. Wow. Wouldn't that be something if there was some rich people and they'd be waiting outside for every one of us after church and say, how much do you owe? I'm gonna pay off all your debts. Oh my, some of you ain't shouted in 75 years and you'd shout all the way to the car. Wow, you mean my, my car payment, my boat payment, my gun payment, my man, if I'd know this, I'd went to, went to Dick's yesterday and bought a whole bunch of more. I went and bought a new car yesterday. Well, you mean you want to pay all of that? Well, the Lord Jesus bought off our debt. Now, he knew that we could never do it, but he did it himself, so he paid our debt in full. It was not that he, you know, did some kind of shady deal, and it was on the books, and then he went in and finagled with the books and changed the books. No, he actually paid all of our debt. I love that. From the power of another to ransom, buy off, to buy up, to buy up for oneself. But you see, he didn't pay our debt and then give us back to ourselves and say, now I paid your debt, now go ahead and do whatever you want to do. Now that's what Laodicea wants, but actually he bought us, so we are his. Now, you keep in mind now that whenever Boaz, if he goes through with this, and we know that he does, if he goes through with this, his claim will be to announce her as his possession. I have bought all that was Elimelech's. I have bought all that was theirs, and I have bought Ruth 
to be my wife. Now this separates, even around the message, some that are truly bride and some that just say they are bride. Because real bride recognizes her position that she does not belong to herself. So she can't do this when she wants to, that when she wants to. She belongs to the Lord. And she fears him, of course. She does not want to displease him. But it's more than fear. Now, I used to live under fear. You've heard me tell about it before. That whenever I was in Pentecost and I would go out and preach, I got to a spot under legalism that there was not a week that went by whenever I was out preaching. There was not one week that went by in my life that I did not fast. I would fast three days, five days, seven days, 10 days, as long as I went was 14 days. But if I did not fast, I felt like God wouldn't use me. And I felt like I had to do this. So it's like almost a torment, a punishment that you're bringing upon yourself. And I was so terrified of God. I was so afraid of God that I was afraid I would miss him. I was afraid that I would displease him. And I was under that bondage. And I don't mind telling you. Once I got set free from that, I would never want to return to that again. Now, oh, Brother Donnie, so does that mean that you don't fear the Lord? I do, but it's not the same fear that I had in Pentecost. I was so scared and so terrified of God. I'll never forget one night, my, myself and Brother Chuck Dixon, we were sitting under the tent, and we had, had a meeting that night, and, the, and the, everybody else had left, and we were sitting there talking after the end of the service, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, come outside, and I will meet you. And I saw a being as it walked around on the outside of the tent. And I saw its legs as it was walking through. I don't mind telling you, friend, it scared me to death. I went outside and got alone by myself in a building that was there. I stood there shaking and trembling. I was so scared of God. Now, if, if something like that happened to me again today, would I feel fear? Yes, but it would be a different type of fear. It would be a reverential fear and not a fear that God has come to kill me. You see, a fear like that has such bondage and God does not want his wife. My goodness, brothers, well, which one of you would want your wife to have that thing about you? I've seen men that way. I've seen men that they would look at their wives and their wives would start trembling. Buddy, you need the Holy Ghost. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you think you know. God never meant for a man to be that type of a ruler. God is not that type of ruler over his bride, praise the Lord. So God not only redeems us from sin, but he redeems us from that type of fear. This is why that the New Testament tells us that fear of that type, it produces a bondage. So people, when they do mess up and fall short of the glory of God, and you're gonna do it, and you might as well just admit to it. Then when they do, they feel like that they're hopeless. They feel like there's no hope for them. And many of them, when they make a terrible mistake in life, they will relive that nearly every day. If they don't do it every day, they will every week and every month. It will haunt them for the rest of their life and they really in the back part of their mind, which is where the subconscious lays and where the engine room is of their soul, they will feel like that God himself will hold that against them at the day of judgment. What a terrible thing to live under. 
Now, does that make us to where that we, well, we can do wrong and just repent and do wrong and just keep repenting? No, but there is such a balance and being able to find that there is freedom, not only from our past when we were sinners, but freedom since we've been saved and falling short of the glory of God. Is that right? Notice in Galatians 4.4 that Paul says when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. Now you say we weren't even under the law. We're not talking about the Torah now. We're talking about the law of sin and death as well that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Father, Father, Abba, Father. So because you were sons, notice Paul believed that they were sons before they ever got the Holy Ghost. Well, that's why I believe it, because his Bible and his message. So there Paul taught them that they were sons is the very reason they received the Spirit of God. To redeem them that were under the law, that they might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Ephesians 1, 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. Friend, this is where we are accepted. There's no way I would want to stand before God today. There's no way I would want to walk before his throne on my own good merits, on the preaching that I've done, on the singing that I've done. I've lived for the Lord decades of my life. Been here for 35 years with you all. Preached for 40 some years, 50 some years, whatever it's been. Pastored a church for over 40 years. Would I want to meet God on any of those merits? Not a one of them. I am accepted not because I've been pastoring for 40 years. I'm not accepted because I've been, been preaching for however long. I'm not accepted because I pray, read my Bible, study, give hours and hours to the word of God, to the message of the hour, and every time I preach to you, I give you a portion of my life that I will never get back, never get it back. Every time that I do that, do I want to stand before God on that basis? Absolutely not. But I will stand before him with boldness on this basis. I am accepted in the beloved. Aren't you glad we are? Notice this, then Paul goes on to say in verse seven, in whom we have redemption. Now it may seem the same Greek or English word to you, but actually it's a different word, apolotrosis, a releasing affected by payment of ransom. Redemption or deliverance, deliverance rather, liberation procured by the payment of a ransom. So we are free because the payment has been made. Now, you can battle in your mind all you want to and let the devil tell you that you're not, but what you need to do is say, look, if you've got a problem with my redemption, you go talk to my redeemer, don't talk to me. I refuse to talk to you. You know how it is. If people are called in question and somebody stole something or, or somebody got killed and you were there, they're going to say, now, Mr. Whitson, come in here and sit down. And they got a video camera and you're, I mean, you're as nervous as you can be. And you're sitting there and they, now, where were you at such and such and so and so at a certain, certain time? I want to know, can anybody verify this and that and the other? Well, you know how it is. If folks are a little bit guilty or if they're a little bit scared, you know, one of the first things they say, I want my lawyer. Right. 
I want my attorney. Well, then the attorney will come in and sit down with you, and then they go to asking you both. And then your attorney, they say, now where was you, Zach? Where was you at 545 on Friday morning? We want to know where you were. It looked like your vehicle was over at this certain, certain place. Well, now that you've got an attorney there, the attorney will look at you and say, answer nothing. Answer nothing. That's why you're paying me. I am your attorney. Now, you and I can argue and fuss and debate with the devil all we want to, but when you get done, he will be the winner because you're approaching it the wrong way. You don't need to waste a lot of your time arguing with the devil. Oh, sure, he'll tell you things, and you need to just stand on the word. The Bible tells us if we will submit ourselves, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, resist the devil, then he will flee from you. Well, if he's not fleeing, it means you're not doing something right. Well, praise the Lord. Some of us are trying to handle it ourselves, and we're trying to do our, be our attorney as well as the convicted one. Why don't you give it up? You don't have that license. You don't have a license to be your own attorney. You've got to let the Lord Jesus be your attorney. So if the devil's got something to say, you tell him, you see my lawyer. I done lawyered up. I done lawyered up. I'm not arguing with you. I'm not debating with you because you are a liar. So if you've got something to say, you say it to my lawyer. I'm mum about this situation. But I ain't gonna be mum about praise. I ain't gonna be mum about I'm a child of God. I'm redeemed. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I believe his word. Well, come on, church. The prophet said too many people talk the devil's language. And he said, well, I'm not a very a good Christian and I don't have very much faith and he said when you say that you are talking the devil's language you should never say that you should say do you believe his word with all of my heart do you believe his promise with all of my heart well brother Donnie what if it's a while before it happens we'll just keep watering the sea you know what me and Carol do every day? Every day. We are asking God for a complete deliverance for Erica. The Lord has moved so wonderfully for Alicia. She's doing absolutely wonderful, and thank you for praying for her for that. But we not only pray for Erica on her day-to-day needs, but every day we thank God that the work is already done. Y'all do too? Ah, thank you. Thank you. We praise him every day. Now that don't mean that getting from this point to this point is not difficult. And you've got hard things to deal with, but our faith is not just present tense. We are looking at those things which are not as though they are. You say, how can you do that? Because I am a son of Abraham. And you are children of Abraham. Is that right? Notice in Colossians 1.12, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, listen to this, and hath already, past tense, translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. 
Or you say, Brother Donnie, your hair still is gray and you're losing a little bit of your hearing maybe and a little bit of your sight. That has nothing to do with it. I've done been translated. Well, what part has? My soul. My soul has already been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Notice in verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Boy, this is one of the ones right here in Titus 2.13 that got me decades and decades ago whenever I was struggling with the Godhead. When I was trying to figure out is there three, is there two, what is it? But this scripture right here really set me afire. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Not one of the great gods, but the great God. Amen. He ain't second in control. He is in control. Praise the Lord. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. And the church said... Hebrews 9, 11, but Christ become an high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and of calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place and having obtained, listen how long it is, eternal redemption. Hope you understand that eternal never did start, never did end. So before you was ever born, you was already redeemed. Before you was ever lost, you was already found. Before you was ever out here in the world trying to find around, Lord, help me have hope, help me have peace, help me have it, Lord. You was already identified in eternal redemption. Notice this type of redemption is not about the element of time. It's not just in the slot of time, but you were already his, praise the Lord. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead work to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. And the saint said, First Peter 1.18, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold and your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb, praise God, without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. I'll tell you one thing, boy, that Peter could really write, couldn't he? Ain't that something for an ignorant and unlearned man? The Lord must have educated him like he did Brother Joel Forney, didn't he? Now, apparently they felt like it was so important for the people of God to know 
who, how, why, and what was the reason they were redeemed. Notice he's not mentioning nothing about our works, our goodness, our mama, our daddy. Well, I've been in church for so long. I pray, I pay my tithes. I do this and the other. Oh, that's good. That's wonderful. But that's not the way we are redeemed. Now, Ruth, the stage of where Ruth is, is what the prophet called Ruth resting. Resting. And yet, there's a possibility someone else may get her, or it looks that way in the natural. Revelation 5, 8, and when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors. Now let me ask you, if an angel up there is keeping a container with your prayers in it, does he need a thimble? Does he need a bottle this size? How big of a container does he need? I've been studying for Wednesday, and noticing it yesterday, the parallel between this and the whore church. That she sits there with a cup in her hands, and what's inside her cup is the martyr's blood. But God has an angel there in heaven keeping the prayers of the saints. So golden vials full of odors. Oh my goodness, I hope my angel is constantly trying to find a bigger barrel, don't you? Oh my, Brother Dale, I want him, I want him to be looking around constantly, Brother Philip, for something bigger and bigger. Donnie, you're overwhelming me, man. Back off, would you? I say, no, sir, I ain't doing it. I got too many needs, I got too many friends, I got too many people that has need from the Lord. Not only that, I want to fill it with praise. I want to fill it with thanksgiving. I don't want to be like the man that God healed in the New Testament when Jesus was here, and only one of them come back to give him praise. Shame on us. If we don't testify to the goodness of the Lord, after the Lord heals us and the Lord moves for us and the Lord delivers us, we ought to be thanking God for it. Notice this, and they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. Now, Ruth, once you lay long enough at the feet of the Lord of the harvest, you need to get up at his command and take the six measures of barley. Now, it's in his direction that she takes the next move. She rises before one can see another. Now remember his servants was laying all around him. So she had to come in like this, stepping so delicately because this is a mighty man so he's got guards around him everywhere. So here she comes and she finally makes her way and lays down at his feet and he tells her, stay right here now until in the morning. And before daylight broke, She gets up, and he's going to send her back. She's going to finish this last phase 
of resting. Now, Boaz is a man of great character. Now, as I read to you there that he said, let it not be known. So apparently he stirred around, she stirred around, and he tells those around him, don't let anyone know that a woman has been here during the night. Now, nothing had happened between them that was not right. But yet, he did not want it to be misunderstood. Well, praise the Lord. So he said, don't let it be known that a woman has come here, lest it be misunderstood. And here, notice in verse 14, and she laid his feet until the morning, and she rose up before one could know another. And he said, let it be not known that a woman had came to the floor. Now, Boaz is a sensible man. And he knows it's not just good enough to have a clear conscience. Oh, I didn't do anything wrong. So I have nothing to worry about. I really don't care what people think about me. I don't care if people see me in a bad spot. I don't care if people see me in a difficult situation. I really don't care what people think about me. I love the way Brother Branham says this in respects, paragraph 49. Read it. I fear my mother. I fear my wife. I fear my church. I fear all of God's servants unless I should put a stumbling block somewhere in their way. You see, many of the message people, friends, have never caught the spirit of the messenger. They think by repeating his words, they're in the message. You're not in the message just because you repeat the words of a prophet. You want the same Holy Ghost he had. Right? So here is the way the prophet looked at that, that he was afraid he would do something. Can you imagine Elijah saying he feared his mother? Elijah feared his wife? Elijah feared all of God's servants? Now, it wasn't that he was afraid of them, but he was afraid that he might do something that would cause a stumbling block in front of others. You see, this is the mentality of a person that understands we are a body and we are a body move. But many people in the message are an island. They're an island. There's people that come to the church and they're an island. They don't think they need nobody. Bless God, I don't need nobody there. Well, you're not part of the body then. I'm not talking about just a natural body. I'm talking about the mystical body that we need one another. That's right, it's very, very important to God. We need one another. Somebody say amen. amen. You need friends. You need saints of God. I need ministers that I can talk to. I need brothers that I can contact and ask them pray for me. I'm going through this. You mean, Brother Donnie, you do that? I sure do. Well, I sure think less of you. Well, I don't know why you should. You do it all the time. You come to me. You come to others. I'm a mere stinking human just like you're a stinking human. I need help and encouragement from my brothers and my sister just like you do, that don't make me less of a, of a son of God. It makes me a human being. Amen. Notice the prophet said, I fear the people of the city unless I should do something wrong that would cause them to think that I wasn't a Christian. And yet the mentality of so many people, bless God, I'm gonna do what I feel led to do, whatever God, I don't care what anybody thinks about it. You've got the wrong spirit on you. 
Oh, sure, we're going to stand for what's right. Absolutely, we're going to do what's right. You know the way I believe on that. We're going to do what's right, but we also want to do it in this mindset right here. Some people are just militant by nature. So they take the quotes and the scriptures and they run them through their militant nature and they feel like they're standing for God and putting one stumbling block after another, after another, after another in front of God's people, not knowing at the day of judgment when they walk up there, they're going to answer to the Lord Jesus for the damage they've caused. Feeling like they were standing for him. But God will never lead you or I contrary to the scripture nor to the teaching of the message of the hour. One way you can always tell whether you've been led by the Spirit or not, judge it by the Word. Well, I guess I might as well dismiss. I done killed it, ain't it? Notice, I love the way he says this. You've got, before you can have respects, you've got to have fear. And God demands it. He demands respects. He does. He demands it. And fear brings it. And we know that fear brings Respects. Notice in verse 15, and he said, bring the veil that thou hast upon thee and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley. Now a bushel of barley weighed about 50 pounds. So this was six seahs, S-E-A-H-S, six seahs. So it weighed about 75 pounds. Pounds. Wow. Quite a load for a little woman. Now why don't he dispatch some of his servants to carry this back to the city? Now they're outside the city of course. We don't know exactly how far it was. But can you imagine she brings her veil and he pours in the 6,000 years worth of measures of food And then he lays it on her. Oh my goodness. Notice what the Bible said. And laid it on her. So 75 pounds of barley that Boaz lays on her. Anybody ever feel like Boaz has laid quite a bit on you? Except some of y'all feel like 75 pounds wouldn't even touch it, would it? 750 maybe? Brother Michael and Brother Jackie was over at the church the other day and putting some posters up down through the Sunday school rooms and all that. Brother Michael said, I'm going to give you a little Bible trivia. I said, okay. Uh, So it's some lines on the wall and there's a man standing there, you know, and he said, who is that? I said, me. (laughs) Daniel on the lines there. (laughs) Except I'm the modern version of it. And you are too. So the Lord Jesus, he does not make it to where, oh, now, darling, oh, little sweetie pie, I'm going to have the angels just to tote you over there, and they're going to set you down in one of them big old recliners, and it ain't even one of them buttons where you have to crank down there, that big crank, this is an updated one, it's an electric version. You just push that button, and you just kick back. And the angels is going to bring you sweet tea and tater chips and jello and all my broccoli if you want it on the side, more whatever you want. I mean, honey, you're just taking care of the rest of your life. You'll never have to labor. No. Now, you know that these women did not carry these loads so much on their shoulders. Where? On their backs? 
on their heads. So the weight of all of this was on her head. And in her mind. It's not how much you can bench press. It's how much you can take up here. The place of the skull. I mean, still wants to be Ruth. Praise the Lord. Now, can't you see sometimes why it's hard for us to shout? It's hard to shout with 75 pounds on your head, isn't it? It is. Sometimes it's hard to smile and hard to keep in that good temperament. And yes, that's exactly the way the Lord wants us to be. Now, notice how the scripture says he measured measures of barley, six measures of barley, and laid it on her, and she went into the city. So the statement that Boaz laid it on her, so he asked it, what kind of a man is this? Would you do that, Sister Sarah? Brother John? What about it, brothers? Would you, would you? Don't try this at home, okay? Dear Lord, I just thought that. There'd be a bunch of people in the ER this evening. Can you imagine us give you land 75 pounds on Sister Judy's head? Say, now I'll see you tomorrow. So here she goes, relieved, but burdened. Happy, but loaded down. And I've seen the women in the Middle Eastern countries, and they still carry stuff this way. Whenever Carol and I was there a couple of years ago, we saw them carry pots, they carry big old things, who knows what in the world was even in all that stuff, and just walk right down there just as balanced as they can be. Have a big water pot on top of their head, or you know, a basket of grain, or this and that and the other. But you see, Ruth was not afraid of weight, as long as Boaz put it on. Now she wanted to shed every weight that was a sin, but a Boaz is putting it on her, there ain't nothing wrong with it. Oh, he was showing her not only the future, because prophetically now he had done said, if this other kinsman will not do this, I give you my word, I will do it. But he's showing her he's not only concerned about the future, he's concerned about the present. Now what's the barley for right now? Oh, aren't you glad that he ain't just painted us a beautiful picture of heaven? And after a while, children, this is gonna happen. After a while, your troubles is gonna be over. I'm so glad he said, Donnie, what do you need today? What can I do for you right now? Oh, I want you to notice it was a command from Boaz, but Boaz never actually got the veil. That was her responsibility. Bring your veil. I hope you come today with a veil. Every time we assemble ourselves together, every time the Lord performs a healing or a miracle or an encouragement or whatever it is, he's telling you, Brother Keith, open up your veil and I'll load it down. 
open up your veil and I load it down because I'm concerned about right now. You see, a real seed of Abraham can look for tomorrow and they can look for you know, a thousand years down the road. But I'm so glad our Boaz is concerned about what we're going through today. How many needs him today? How many needs joy, healing, peace, whatever more? Oh, you say, I feel ashamed to ask for it. Don't feel ashamed. Bring your veil and lay it right before our Boaz. He's got plenty of barley left. He's got plenty of peace. He's got plenty plenty of joy. He's got it right here today. But you got to bring him, lay it down. Oh, Boaz, fill it. Fill it for me. All present needs are so important to our Boaz. Every sermon, every touch from the master. Praise the Lord. Notice Brother Bram says, I have it, the earnest of it now. I took home a whole scarf full of barley. I got there. He gave it to her, measured it out, six measures. Six meant the 6,000 years of existence of the world. Man's day is six. Man was created on the sixth day and there'll be 6,000 years that the world was created and the 7,000th God rested. 6,000 years the church will labor against sin with the power of God of these barley loaves and then go into eternal rest. Oh, hasten the day, Lord. Listen to this. That's rest. Six measures of fine barley and put it in there to carry her over until the full time of redemption. So here she goes. She's got it balanced in the battleground. Now she knows that Satan still has access to her mind. Brother Brenham, how can a person know when the thoughts that they're thinking, if it's Satan putting it there, or if it's you thinking it yourself? Well, if it's contrary to the word, it's the devil. Is that too simple? If it's contrary to the word, it's the devil. How can it be that a person can overcome this? Well, he said, just take the opposite. You see, nobody shouted, nobody jumped, hardly nobody even raised their hand and praised the Lord. That was my answer. That was what I was looking for. It's too simple, ain't it? You mean it's really that simple? That when we love God, then we take thoughts that are contrary to the word, then you know that's not coming from you. Because you don't think that, you don't want that, you don't want no part of that, so where's it coming from? The devil. Notice now in verse 16. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou? Who art thou, my daughter? Now, it's not that Ruth is disguised somehow, and Naomi's looking at her and saying, 
I don't think I know you, do I? Do I know you? I'm not sure I know who you are. She knows who she is. But she wants to know if she knows who she is. Who art thou? And the meaning is this. What have you accomplished? Are you still Ruth the Moabitess? Or are you the future wife of Boaz? Praise be to God. The authorized version of the Hebrew text says it this way. Who are you, my daughter? Are you still Ruth the Moabitess? Or are you the prospective Mizra's Boaz? Who are you, my daughter? Well, let me turn and ask you the same thing. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Who am I? Just Donnie Reagan, the son of Don and Betty Reagan, born July 9, 1956. I'll live my mortal life. I'll die. Some of y'all will shed a few tears and then that's the end of me and I'll never come back again. Oh no, I am the wife of my King Jesus. Oh, if I die today, don't worry about me because I've already gone in the arms of my Redeemer and I will live again and I will rise. And she said, now what a strange answer for the question. Who are you, my daughter? And this is the answer. These six measures of barley gave he me. For he said to me, go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. So if somebody asked you who you were and you gave them that answer, you said, did you not hear my question? Did I rephrase it wrong? Should I rephrase it again and say it another way? This is the right answer. Why? She has the down payment of her future position. Who are you? Who are you? Well, look at what he gave me. You want to know who you are? Look at what he gave you. He gave you redemption. He gave you salvation. He gave you the Holy Ghost. He would not have given you the Holy Ghost if you were serpent seed. He would not have redeemed you if you were worthless and a piece of trash. Look at what he's given you. A generous man that sends this to a prospective mother-in-law, I'd say he's a keeper, wouldn't you? <laughs> Listen, Adam Wilcox. Then said she, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he hath finished the thing 
this day. Keep at home. Say nothing of this affair to any person. It's the mystery coming of the Son of Man. All right now. Take no other steps. Ooh. Now this is hard on us. Well, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one that gets anxious. I'm not? Okay. All right, thank you. In such moments, our strength is to sit still. (laughs) And we are naturally restless in critical times. And we want to do something. I can't just sit there. I just can't wait. I've got to do something. Even if it is wrong. And most of the time it is wrong. Especially when we're taking it out of God's hands. Can you imagine her saying, wait. What can I do to help him? What can I do? I don't want to marry that other man. Who is that other man anyway? I don't want nothing doing that guy. I've got to go up. I've got to tell him, boys, boys, please, please do everything. Please do everything. He's going to do everything. But your strengths will be to sit still. Well, I'll tell you one thing, it takes the Lord to help us, don't it? Sometimes the Lord tells you to sit still. Sometimes the Lord tells you to be still. And sometimes he tells you to keep still. And sometimes he tells you to run. So you think, is this the time to run? One side of me wants to run and the other half of me wants to sit still. So here I am in this dilemma. And I stand like this sometimes. Don't sit there and look at me, y'all do the same thing. You don't know, is it time to run? Is it time to sit still? Is it time to say anything? Is it time to hold your peace? God help me. Notice says 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and we'll close. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Wow. The day of the toil comes first. The hardships of labor. And then the night of repose follows it. That is when you can sleep. Man alive, I'll tell you what, some nights I'd pay $50. I'll pay even more than that. I'll pay 100 If I could find a tablet, a pill, an herb, I'd even eat broccoli. If somebody could help me find the key to my head up here, or I could stick it in the side and go, and my brain quits processing, thinking, turning, and tossing. My hair is so thick and so coarse. Brother Skip can tell you, I've got a hard head of hair to cut. Everybody's ever cut it says it that way. And if I get it cut too short, and I have sleepless pasture nights on top of that, I get up in the morning, and I look like a rooster all over the back of my head. My hair sticking up all over my head, and it's a bad sign. Carol, look at me, you didn't rest good. <laughs> she knows I didn't rest good. Sticking up all over my head, oh, what I give 
to be able to reach up and just push a button somewhere, unplug it, do something, 10-pound sledgehammer, anything, just to be able to turn your mind off and to be able to get some rest and be able to lay the worries and the troubles and all aside. And what does God say when you're like that? Be still, Donnie. Know that I am God. Yeah, right, God, right. Yeah, I got you. I'm still. (laughs) But in such moments, what a peace it is. If he can just minister to us and you feel at ease. Notice Psalms 37, 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. It's our work to cast the care. It's God's work to take care of the care. And let him alone with his work. But I know so much about trouble, and I I know so much about tests and trials, I want to help him. Uh, And y'all was going to sit there now and not smile or anything and act like I'm the only one here today guilty. You bunch of hound dogs, you're as guilty as you can be. You got egg all over your face. You see, I'm an activist by nature. I am. I like to see things happen. Ask the poker girls when we're going to a youth service. If we're going anywhere, probably will always be 15 to 30 minutes early. They don't like early. They figure you can drive 95 miles an hour to catch up for lost time. I keep trying to convince them, them guys with them blue lights on top, they're not friendly guys sometimes. So I'd rather be early, but that's a downside when it comes to sitting in the house. Waiting. Waiting. So imagine Ruth, she's sitting and sitting and wondering and fretting. Reckon it's done? Reckon it's happened? Oh no, oh no. He's changed his mind. He don't want me after all. My goodness, I've been here for 35 minutes. How long does it take to do this? Nine o'clock passed. 10 o'clock passed. 11, 11.15. She's absolutely just a human. (laughs) Little did she know, Boaz had walked up before the elders. But she couldn't see him. She couldn't hear him. It was the silence of the seventh seal. Is this why some of you still fret to this day over whether you got the Holy Ghost or not? Because you haven't run, you haven't jumped, you haven't talked in tongues, you haven't prophesied. And you'll make a mistake and say, say, see there, you ain't got nothing. And you've asked God, has God told you anything? Oh my. The Lord told Israel, 
Exodus 14, 13, Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you to, to, to this day. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall never see them no more, never again. Job 37, 14, hearken to this, O Job, stand still. Consider the wondrous works of God. Stand still, David said, be still. Psalms 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. The Hebrew word translated still means take your hands off and relax. Right. Has anybody got one of them take your hands off and relax pills? You're fresh out, huh? It's so easy to get impatient and start meddling. I don't think I ought to rush this. Let's stand. We'll pick it up again. As long as we leave the situation in God's hands, he can take total impossibilities and transform it and change it. When we take it out of his hands and put it into ours, we just took all the possibilities away. And if you're a big worry wart, oh my goodness, you ain't got two hands, you got 14. And you've got all kinds of ideas and all types of ways. Oh, I know if I could do this, if I could. God, I just, God, please. I know you didn't need my help with the stars, but let me help you with me. I know more about me than you do, God. And when we get our hands in the way, we take it out of his hands. We delay it, we prolong it, we had more difficulty. And somebody said, Amen. and somebody said, help me, Lord. Amen. So stand still, be still, and sit still. Is the Lord talking to somebody here today? Notice this in Isaiah 20, or chapter 30, rather, verse 7. For the Egyptians shall help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore, if I cried concerning this, their strength is to set still. Wow. So what would Ruth have accomplished? If she went home, she delivered the barley, and she's back and forth. I wonder if they could see my face. And if I go, oh, I'm so beautiful. I need a husband. I need a husband, man. But I don't just want any husband. I want him. I need a husband. Yeah. We think by our pity, by our complaining, our groaning, but to be able to just go in the house and say, what are you doing? Nothing. Just chill it out. And say, you better get busy. You better use it. Shut up. I'm waiting. Oh my God. Hallelujah. 
It sounds very strange, but Brother Mem said he loved to get to a spot to where his back would be against the wall and, you know, the rivers would be uncrossable and this and that and the other and just see how God was going to move. I still need help because I can't say I love that yet. I'm not sure I even like it. I'm, I'm being honest. But I want to be. I want to sit still, stand still, and be still. And then when he tells me to fight, I want to pull that sword out and go to cutting devil's heads off. But you see, with me being called to be a leader of people, an influencer of humanity, and having to use my sword so much, it's so hard when he says, put it away. You want me to use grenades? Hummers? Howitzers? Your recliner. I'm not sure I can pick it up. No, set in it. What? In wartime? Chill out, Donnie. Rest. Well, I'm sorry y'all had to hear my sermon this morning to me, so. And may say, Lord, that was for me today, too. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, first I want to say I'm sorry. You see my activist nature. It works out good whenever you need an activist. But it don't work out so good when you need somebody that will just kind of sit down and wait and rest. Lord, we realize each of us we're born so flawed. And our human nature so works against us. The Bible doesn't really go into her mind to give us what she was going through. But as humans, we can just imagine. Unlike our Boaz, this Boaz wasn't really sure of the outcome. He was not sure what Tob would do. He just put it before her in a chance situation. If he does it, then he does it. If he won't, I will. But I have to put it before him. But I'm so glad you, our Boaz, you haven't said, well, I'll, I'll try. I'll, I'll try my best to see if I can help you all. But you said, I wrote your names in the palm of my hands before the foundation of the world. I thought of you I loved you and I called you before there was ever one speck of stardust. So this is not perchance or maybe or possibly. It's a finished work. Help us, Lord. Forgive us for being anxious. Forgive us, Lord, for wanting to help you. Lord God, I pray that you'd minister to every heart here today. Not only to those that are visible, but those that stream the service. Maybe it's a housewife with a wayward son or daughter or a wayward husband. Maybe it's a man and wife and it looks like their, their situation is so difficult they'll make it 
never make it through this time. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's domestic. Whatever it is, Father, help us to wait. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up wings as an eagle. Oh, Lord God, help us. Lord, having studied war, different wars down through time, the Civil War, the Napoleonic Wars, the World War I, World War II, and I always am amazed that when I read that one side has their battalions, their ranks spread out, and here comes the enemy, fast and rapid. And the commanding officer, hold it, boys, hold it, hold it. The enemy's getting closer and closer. But he don't want them running. He don't want them shooting out of fear. He wants every shot to count. And they're running closer and closer and closer. They can see the whites of their eyes. They can see the sabers glistening in the sun. But their commanding officer said, steady, boys, steady, steady. Take aim, steady. He knows if they'll follow through the way they've practiced, they'll make their shots count. Then when it's when fear has reached its rush, and it feels like that the enemy's going to get them, he'll tell them, fire! Hallelujah. Lord God, I pray you would speak to your daughters today. To your sons. Steady them, Lord. Steady. Steady. Take aim. Hallelujah. Then, Lord, when you tell us to fire, doomed devils will be on the run. Praise the Lord. We worship you today, Lord Jesus. Help me, Father. Help me with my finger on the trigger. The safety's off. My eyes and the scope, the crosshairs are on the target. And may I wait for the command of my commanding officer. Hallelujah. We worship you today, Lord Jesus. I mean, it wants to be steady. Amen. I mean, it wants not to run ahead of the Lord, run ahead of what God wants you to do. Just be steady. Amen. Steady. Amen. Steady. Take aim. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the Lord God. Father, we worship you today. We bless your name right now, Lord. May, may each of us just feel that comfort from the presence of God. You put your arms around us, Lord. Hallelujah. You're the same water-walking God. You're the same Red Sea maker and the Red Sea blocker. The same resurrected Lord Jesus. Speak peace to the sick. 
Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus, may we find our strength in waiting on the Lord. Hallelujah. Can each of us just raise our hands in the presence of God? Look, you know what you need right now. Just tell him, Lord, I need you. I need strength. I need to wait, Lord. I need courage. I need healing. Whatever you need, just tell him. Just open your heart to him right now. Lord, please help me. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Lord. Help me, Father, I pray. I didn't want this position. I didn't want to be a leader of your people. I didn't want to come here years ago. I tried to talk you out of it. I don't want the position that you've called me to have. Lord, I've had to lead in many a fight. Lord, help me. When you're speaking peace and stillness, not to run ahead of you. Help me, Jesus. That I can hear your voice say, now, now. David one day was sat there waiting, waiting, waiting. God, he was a, an experienced warrior, an experienced fighter. No doubt his army was getting restless. David himself anxious. I said, David, now let us go, let us go. But somehow David didn't feel the release. And all of a sudden he heard it. It was the sound of the wind in the mulberry trees. And somehow he heard the voice of God out of the wind of the mulberry trees. Lord God, I pray today for Brother Homer and Sister Ruby Blanken. Lord God, you see no doubt sitting in their home today streaming the service. Lord, and Minkir went over this week to see him. And Brother Homer wanted to show me their little church and unable to meet together now for several months because our brother's having sickness and things in his body and Sister Ruby as well. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, may the Holy Ghost go to them right now, I pray. Help them, Father. It may seem like they're doing nothing. It may seem like that they're wasting time. But sitting at the command of God is not a waste. Being still at the command of God is not a waste. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord God, I pray for my brother Ron Spencer. See, he's got scans and stuff this week, Lord. Waiting on you for a complete deliverance. We believe in right with him too, Lord. Father, it may seem difficult and he may seem anxious. May the Spirit of God strengthen our brother, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Just as I heard your voice say a few weeks ago, Lord, there in his study. Hallelujah. You spoke out and said, one day I will call for you to come and step in my chariot and ride with me. Hallelujah. May we be faithful, Lord God. Not just to draw the sword, but when you say, wait, wait, 
wait. Help us, Father. Oh, glory to God. Oh, Jesus, I bless your name. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Brother Joel Brown, I know it becomes weary, my brother. I know when you get at them times that it seems nothing's moving. But it's them times where we prove our faithfulness. Stand still, my brother, and see the salvation of the Lord. Lord God, I worship you, Lord. Today, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, may each one be ministered to today according to their need. Come by here, Lord Jesus. Pass by this way, Father. Encourage those that are weary. Maybe they're pacing the floor as it was. and They're so nervous and so anxious. But may the wind from the presence of God Come in this room right now. Oh, Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus. Speak peace to the troubled hearts, Father. Wait. Wait. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless your name, Father God. We worship you today, Lord. Oh, children, listen. Let's just honor this presence that we can sense. Oh, Jesus, have mercy on us today, Father. Lord, you know, I need a touch. I need a touch from you. My strength from yesterday is gone. Lord, you know I need a brand new touch to give me strength to carry on. Pass by my way today, Lord God, I pray. The sick, the weary, the oppressed. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord God, we worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I worship your name, Lord. I bless your name, Jesus. Somebody, somebody help me. Let's just worship Him. Thank you. 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 Thank
Lord God, we worship you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord God. We bless your name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Sings up for us here. Thank you, Lord God. Peace of God cover me. Lord Jesus. Through the storm. Oh, Jesus. Cover me. Lord God, we worship you today, Jesus. Peace of, Peace of God. Cover, cover me. Through the storm. Through the storm. Cover me. Cover me. Only in Yes, Lord. Only in you I'm secure. I'm secure, Lord. Only in you I find peace. So cover.
sand is on the shore he sees every sparrow that falls you made the mountains and the seas you're in control of everything of all creatures great and small and he knows my name every step that
aren't you glad he does? Amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise this morning. Thank you, Father. Have you enjoyed being in service today? It was worth coming, wasn't it? Amen. We just so appreciate you being here. Trust that you'll go and the fear of the Lord as you spend time with your families this afternoon. May God bless you. Remember, service here Wednesday night, Lord willing, 7 o'clock. We'll come back and do it all over again. Looking forward to it, aren't you? Looking forward to seeing you again. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's just continue, Brother Harry. We'll sing that chorus as you're dismissed this morning. God bless you. Be careful leaving the parking lot. May the Lord bless each and every one of you. He knows my name. Every step that I take. Every move that I make. Every tear that I cry. He knows my name. I'm overwhelmed by the pain. Can't see the light of day. Where?